These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so it is a beautiful non-rainy day here in Houston. Thursday morning and I am driving with my producer to Glenwood Cemetery for a tour for a, another looped in on the road and gosh it was a couple of months ago I think it was in March the Houston Chronicle ran a story about Glenwood Cemetery this historic cemetery off Memorial Drive and it was a just a great comprehensive look at who's buried there and a, a bit about the history of the cemetery. And I've driven by it for years and years and years. It's kind of crazy how it's this really beautiful piece of property in the middle of like the Washington Avenue bar scene. It's really close to downtown and obviously Buffalo Bayou Park. I posted that story on Facebook and my comment on it was that I, something like, I'm ashamed to say I've never been to this, to this property, this cemetery. And Jim Parsons, the program director with Preservation Houston, responded and said, hey, if you ever want a tour, I'd be happy to give you one. He does this somewhat regularly, I think. So we're going over there and we're going to walk around and hopefully learn a little bit about Glenwood and its famous occupants, including Howard Hughes. We're probably also gonna meet a guy named Richard Ambrose, and he is the executive director of the Cemetery Foundation. Oh, and here we are, pulling up. It's crazy to see on, on the map, on my phone, it's like suddenly all this green Wow, this is gorgeous. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's the old little Victorian house. It's the office. Hi. Hi, how are you? Okay, thank you. Hi. Nancy, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. This is Dick Ambrose, Dick Nancy Sarnoff. Nice to meet you. Hi, Nancy, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm fine. All right, uh, Dick, can you just introduce yourself and tell us what's on this map here, what we're looking at? Well, all right, uh, I'm Dick Ambrose, and I'm the executive director of Glenwood Cemetery, and I've been here for a little over 36 years. And the map that we're looking at here is a composite map of the entire cemetery, which includes Washington Cemetery, which is now part of Glenwood. It was merged into Glenwood in 1999. Okay. A couple of unique things that we've done in the last, just in the last few years is uh, 
we put in this lake here, lake property, and we have an uh, underground pipe that runs into the middle of the bayou, about seven feet down. Mm -hmm. We have a wet well here, and we pump from the wet well over to here, and then the water rolls over into here, and it eventually rolls back out to the bayou. It, you can't see it on this map, but there's a, uh, a drainage area that goes, takes, takes the water back into the bayou. And when did that go in? It went in about three years ago. Okay. And it's used uh, for two purposes. One, it's a feature in this area. Beautiful view of downtown mm -hmm. and a beautiful view of the lake. But it also serves as our water source for irrigation for the entire cemetery. So we don't have a water bill. Wonderful. But the whole cemetery is, is completely irrigated. But that's an important thing looking forward because, uh, you know, water is getting very expensive. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be a, really a money-saving feature for the cemetery many, many years out. If you look at the cemetery in total and you look at the developed but unsold part, mm -hmm. and then you look at the undeveloped part and you add the two together and then you take our current attrition rate of square footage sold each year, we've probably got in excess of 60 years worth of future sales in here and people wouldn't, people think we're sold out, right. but we're not. How many um, people would that accommodate? Like well, 60 years worth is... That's, uh, I'm not sure I can answer that per, with any precision. Uh, we have about 24,000 people that are currently buried here. Okay. And uh, we do about 130 interments a year. So if you, and that, that's remained pretty steady the last 10 years. So if you use that as a guide, 60 times 120, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is that, what, about 7,000 burials? Uh, probably it would be more than that, but. Okay. Cremation is becoming a, you know, more popular these days, and but people still want to put the ashes in the ground, in the dirt. So mm -hmm. cemetery property will still be used, but it'll be just used a little differently. Mm -hmm. Currently, we're in the process of, our shop area is over here off to the right. You'll see a lot of construction going on. This is where we're gonna move our shop area to that location. And then after that's done, we're gonna demolish this area and then come in with a new visitor center for Glenwood that's all in the works. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about that, when, when that's going to be developed? The visitor center will be about, uh, I want to say about 12,000 square feet. It'll have uh, room to, let's say we have a service and weather's bad, mm -hmm. you know, we can move it in there. Or if people want to have a reception after a service, we can use that for that. Mm -hmm. People want to come in and do research, we'll have a separate facility for that. We have a lot of genealogists that come in. And then uh, tours, Jim, you know, Jim works for Preservation Alliance and uh, they are our tour guide, basically. Uh, I've known Jim for a number of years and uh, they do an excellent job. And uh, we wouldn't change that, but it would allow the tours that we do do to congregate over here and then uh, move out into the cemetery. This facility here, before we decided to do the new visitor center, we had this facility here analyzed as far as what we could do with it. 
You mean this house that yeah. we're sitting in right now? Yeah, yeah I've tell got me full. about this house. Well, this uh, this part we're sitting in is 1995. That part over there is 1888. Okay. So we had a major remodeling back in 1995-96. I've got a full basement downstairs. Really? Yeah. When I got here back in it was 1983, I believe there was no running water in here, no bathroom facility in here. You had to go outside, around the corner. To, uh-huh. If you had to go to the restroom. To, so has this house always been here then, or was it moved here? No, it was built in 1888. Here. And, and it was built to. It was designed to look like a cottage, but it wasn't ever a house. It was always the office. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And one of the restrictions that we have here in in. Uh, Expanding is parking. We have no parking. Right. Everybody parks out on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no room to make this bigger. We would have to bring a lot of things up to up to speed if we did do it, and but we would still be cramped with space and and lack of parking. Uh, but this office uh, is is uh, really a major asset to the cemetery, and will continue that way. But people that come in, you know who've just lost a loved one, this place is a place of comfort for them. Mm-hmm. Even this conference room, I mean, we bring them in and, and they feel more relaxed. How many acres is the entire cemetery, including the Washington? 88. 88 acres. And how does the property do when it rains? How, how did it do during Harvey? Well, we, <laughs> we had a lot of serious flooding in here. Uh, there are parts of the cemetery that always flood. You know, it's just a thing you have to deal with. But most of our land is high and dry. But how does the flooding affect the grapes? Does grapes? No. It's a very passive event. The water kind of eases in from the bayou uh, when they release water from Attic's Dam's mm-hmm. Attic's Dam. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know exacerbates the water that we get down here downstream. So the water level comes up, and when it comes up, it kind of eases back into Glenwood in certain parts. You know, when it's all over with, it kind of eases out of here. Uh, it'll leave a lot of debris and mud, but it doesn't hurt any grave sites, mm-hmm. per se. I mean, we clean everything up. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's just a way of life that we've learned to deal with. And I might add to that, the, the flooding has gotten worse over the years. And a lot of that has to do with the development in Katy in that area. Yeah concrete that's being poured up there, all that water runs down here. Yeah. And that's got you know, it's gotten worse over the years. Yeah. And until they do something, build another dam or figure out a way to move that water somewhere else, you know, that's the way it's gonna be. So how did this cemetery get to be here? why is it here? The cemetery was chartered by an act of the state legislature in eighteen seventy one. And two men did that, I believe, it was uh, Manning, a fellow by the name of Manning was the president, and Whitaker was the uh, superintendent. Between the two of them, they, you know, put the cemetery together, and up until the late 1800s, it operated as a private, for-profit cemetery. Mm-hmm. And then they went bankrupt. They went into receivership. And it stayed in receivership until 1904, when the district court released it back to the lot owners as a as a cemetery association, okay, and it's operated in that manner since t- till today, except that we incorporated it was incorporated in 1965, but 
the basic structure has remained the same since 1904. And we're a nonprofit, organized as a nonprofit cemetery. So this is an independent yes. cemetery? It's no, it's owned by the corporation. But the lot owners control the corporation. It's a member organization. So how, how is it funded? Uh, well, it's funded in a couple of ways. Through, uh, number one, through lot sales. Right. We're still selling lots. Uh, when someone passes away, there's an opening and closing fee. There's a charge for that. Mm-hmm. To open the grave, close the grave, provide tent and chairs and traffic control. Uh-huh. And all the things that go into burying somebody. Right. And then... Uh, we also have a small construction outfit that does what we call build-outs for different lot owners. They'll come in, buy a property, and they want to do a maybe a brick surround. Well, we have a crew that can do that. Right. And then uh, we have special care, which some people want to have their lot tended to every week, and they're willing to pay extra to do that. Mm-hmm. So all of those things roll into one kind of fund mm-hmm. on the operation. We uh, do not rely on... An endowment. We have an endowment, but we do not rely on that to run the cemetery. We're completely self-supporting. How much is in the endowment today? Uh, about thirty million. Okay. And that doesn't include uh, the value of the dirt in the ground that's not sold yet. Okay. What does it cost to to buy a lot here? Well, the, it's kind of like buying a house. It's all about location. Our lot prices start at 8500 a burial space. And in one burial space, you can do a casket burial. And then you can also do two cremations. And if you don't do the, the casket, then you can do three cremations in one burial space. But the spaces start at 8500 a space. Mm-hmm. And currently, they go up to 50000 a space, which is along this ridge line here where it overlooks the downtown area. And the space is, is how many feet by how many feet? Uh, three by 10, 30 square feet. Okay. So 50,000 for, that's what you said, right? 50,000 for a, for a prime lot. Yeah, we're not the highest in town. No, where's the highest? I think uh, Memorial Oaks has some higher price property. Not better, but a higher price. Yeah, of course, right. So it's a bargain practically here. Here at Lake Whitaker. Well, I need to use her as a sales. <laughs> <laughs> Do you allow investors' purchases? No. 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 But there's got to be some sort of resale market. There is. I mean, you, if you bought a lot here and, uh, you know, for whatever reason you can't use it, maybe you move off somewhere, uh, you can resell it. Mm-hmm. And how has... The how have the lots appreciated over the years? Oh, well, when I got here back in '83, they were actually too low. Mm -hmm. There's been quite a bit of appreciation. Uh, Let's say an $8,500 lot, which is our lowest level today, that probably sold for $500 in 1983, or $750 something in that range. I, you know, over the time, I've tried to bring it up to what the market should be. I'm sure, like you said, people come in and buy lots for husband and wife, for families, for down the road. Do you often get people coming in saying, I need a lot now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure do. Okay. It's called at need. Okay, at need. That's the worst time 
that you want to be selling the cemetery lots is when somebody just had someone pass away that they weren't expecting. Right. For example, a young child. Right. Uh, we get quite a bit of that. Uh-huh. And also wanted to ask what it costs to maintain this property every year. Because it's so beautifully landscaped. Currently, we're running, it costs us about $2 million a year. Okay. Give or take. You know, a lot depends on whether we do um, some major tree trimming or major cleaning. I mean, uh, it just depends. How many trees are on this property? About 5,000. 5,000 trees. Mm -hmm. I counted them. Yeah. I planted most of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost a lot of trees over the years. Uh, there were a lot of water oaks, hackberries in here that have bit the dust over time. But I've probably personally been responsible for having about 5,000 trees planted here, in addition to what was already here. But when, you know, when we uh, come in and develop a new area, we'll heavily landscape mm -hmm. it to get to blot out you know, whatever might be around it. Right. Make it secluded. Okay. And that comes back in the form of uh, lot prices. And, mm -hmm. You know, the money comes back. And people appreciate it. In Houston, how's, how is the demand in Houston? Well, we're, we do steady business here. Uh, our, our demand comes from the heights, from River Oaks, uh, Tanglewood, uh, out Sugar Land. I mean, we get people come in from all parts of the mm -hmm. city, but uh, uh, we get a lot of business from around, just around here, mm -hmm. around the Heights area. Um, but, and that demand is, is, seems to be consistent. Yeah, it just seems like a really good business model. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are always gonna need it, right? Yeah, like just dying to get in here. Okay, is that the corniest joke that you... I mean, what's the... <laughs> what's the corniest one? Yeah, what's the corniest one? Uh, that may have been that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, it's, oh, wow. I mean, always, there was a little humor and everything. Yeah, you have to have some, right? Yeah. Yeah, because this is a... Yeah, this is a, 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 dark, a dark business to be in, not really. I guess. It's not... No. no cemeteries are for the living, not the dead. That's true. This is not a dark... I mean, you could go to some cemeteries where you might think that. Right. But once you hit the gates here, you wouldn't think that. All right. Well, uh, shall we take a, take a drive? A take, a, take a walk, take a drive, take a golf, golf cart, I guess <laughs> is what we're going to do. We can uh, take a golf, golf cart. Yeah. Where would you like to go first? You want to I, go down by the lake? Sure. Hello. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Doing fine. Tell John hello. I'm going to be with these people. But okay, I, I'll tell him. All right, thank thanks. You. It's one of my customers. Okay. So you're, you're in this office every day? Every day. Right over there. How many visitors do you get? a day, would you say, or maybe a week or a month? I'm not sure how you measure that. Well, you know, I don't really don't have a precise answer. I th probably about 500 a week. Okay. It, it gets a lot busier on Saturdays. People come in from the 
surrounding area and they'll with baby strollers and uh, walk people their bike, right? Bike or walk their dogs. This is about an acre and a half lake. And uh, all these trees that you see on each side are crepe myrtle trees, they're all white. So once they get to blooming, it's gonna be a, really a nice entry. Oh, look at the ducks. I got ducks. Make way for ducklings. They just kind of show up. As soon as that lake was finished, wildlife moved in. It was something. Wow. Yeah. I think some of it gets sucked in from the bayou, but what some moved in What else do you see? Oh, there's, there's turtles in there. There's the ducks. There's what, herons or cranes or whatever yeah, those birds are. There's fish in there. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason they picked this land back in the 1870s was because of these kind of ravines or whatever you want to call them that lead down to the bayou, which are beautiful. Um, but, you know, then that, that leads to all sorts of erosion issues and things over the years that have to be fixed. So. Right. But it's, you know, it's one of the few places in Houston where you actually have what passes for hills here, too. Uh -huh. As close as we can get to a hill. Yeah. See the beautiful lots along in here. Yeah. Uh, they're all like miniature parks. Yeah. We've got one of the largest oak trees in Harris County. How old is it, do you think? Uh, I peg it to be about 120 years old. Uh, looks older than that, but. What's interesting when you go through Glenwood is you really can see, you know, Dick talked about earlier how you see a lot of brick in the more modern section, but you can see how taste change and, you know, just like in architecture, um, cemetery monument styles change. Yeah. So you can see from Victorian to kind of, I mean, the area we're going into now has a lot more sort of what I would call mid-century, just really sort of simple and low. Uh -huh. And now some people are going back to the really elaborate, you know, carved statues and balustrades and things like that. So it's just interesting to see how all of that works too. And you said every plot looks like its own little park, which I think is a good way of putting it because everybody's kind of doing their own thing to try to reflect their taste. Or... Right. Somehow it all works. It all works. So it, when you do buy a, a large plot or several plots together, is there a designer that you have that... Uh, we can do... I, I do the simple stuff, you know, where you can't get into trouble. And, but you get into more of the elaborate, like over... See what that granite is? Yeah. That's Roy Huffington's lot. And we wouldn't do something like that. We would let them go out somewhere else. Okay, so they can bring in their own landscape yeah, architect. Have. How does it feel to suddenly have all these high-rises around? Well, I've screened most of them out. See over there, I'll show those trees. Mm -hmm. I planted all those trees to do that very thing. You can't see the apartments over there. Right. You know what's funny is if you go back, there was a newspaper publisher and some businessmen who started pushing for, not, not Glenwood specifically, but a cemetery like Glenwood back in the 1850s. And their thing was, we need to pick up some suburban land before it's all spoken for. Mm -hmm. And they were actually thinking of um, the place where the Federal Reserve Bank is now on the other side of the bayou. But yeah. um, it's interesting that even back in the 1850s, they were thinking, you know, things are gonna, the suburbs are gonna grow and we're not gonna be able to get land on the edge of the city. Little did they know, but. <laughs> so when you give tours, Jim, 
What kind of questions do you get? I mean, everybody wants to know how many people are buried here and everybody wants to know what it costs. It's questions like, where's Howard Hughes? And, um, you know, people do want to know, like, why does this plot look this way and this one looks this way? And, you know, a lot of kind of monument-related questions. People are always curious about the little outlines of the graves Mm -hmm. um, and just the reasons that they did different things that were in style at one time or another. So where is Howard Hughes? We'll go by there. Okay. Really I didn't want to be so obvious. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ask about Howard Hughes right away. I was going to, you know. Oh, yeah, right. Howard Hughes is buried here. I thought I heard that somewhere. I thought I heard that. I think the thing that people are usually most surprised about is how big the cemetery is because, you know, you drive by on Washington and you have no sense of the size of it, and you might catch a glimpse of it from Memorial, but unless you've been back here and kind of driven the whole thing, you have no idea how it sprawls. Yeah, you could really get lost. This is one of the prettiest views in Houston right in here. See that? Gorgeous. So these are the $50,000? Yeah, along the, along the ridge line. Because they have a view? Because they have a view and high. Over here is that oak tree I was telling you about. Um, There are actually graves underneath that tree trunk. In this mausoleum here, this is our newest mausoleum, and Glenwood did this. Uh, we contracted with an outfit out of Georgia. But this is really a beautifully landscaped mausoleum. That's nice. Right now I've got two lots that are under construction here and we're not doing either one of them but there's once they get through they're going to be nice this is uh bob mcnair's lot it's beautiful this is one of the most beautiful lots we have in glenwood it's big too it's about four thousand square feet and you see where the temporary marker is a bronze Mm -hmm. that's where bob's buried you know, the, the pendulum swings and people go back to doing things that are really elaborate and almost Victorian in style. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everything old is new again, right? Yeah. And here's Hughes. Yeah, a lot of people ask, where is Hughes? And then when we get here, they say, this is it? Because I think they expect the Hughes name and eight foot tall neon letters or something, but it's really understated and it's from a time when that was the way you did plots. His name? His name, his name is, uh, there are three markers there in ground. His mother and father and then Howard. But there's no upright, okay. you know. It, before the fence was here, okay. you know, you could walk up and see it, but with the fence, it makes it harder to see. Yeah, put the fence up so people don't walk up there. Yeah. Howard Hughes bought this lot in 1923 when his mother died. And his father died, I think, one year later. And the original, just to go back to, you know, you bring in your own people to do the plot design, the original design of the plot was by William Ward Watkin, who was the Dean of Architecture at Rice. Oh, yeah. um, It was altered a little bit through the years, but Watkin came up with the concept. In those pieces that look like flowers or lights, what... They're just just decorative, like urns. Um, 
they were Watkin wanted them to be um, he said they could be Gabriel's trumpet or something like that but they were actually based on Howard Hughes Sr.'s watch fob which looked like a saxophone that piece has an interesting story too we and we're it's one that we just kind of uncovered but it was a husband and wife uh, doctors who uh, both were in World War One. he was a soldier and she went over as a volunteer medic and uh, he ended up getting gassed in the war came back and died relatively quickly and she went to France and selected that sculpture um, the artist was a, a French modern artist who had also been in the war and this was his sort of commemoration of all the losses of the war so she bought it and brought it over to put on her husband's grave that's one of my favorites especially now with the story so since this is a podcast how would you describe that it's a i mean it's a it's a really kind of early 20th century modern sort of abstract i guess it's a guy in in mourning is sort of what it looks like i mean it's definitely got a got sadness around it but it's not like anything else in the cemetery because it was actually a standalone sculpture that they purchased you know to put on the lot but it works so well here Oh, and the uh, the statue of grief up here on the right—that's one that gets a lot of attention. This this piece right here. This one. Mm-hmm. It's one of the you know most beautiful pieces in the cemetery, but um, it's also an example of a restoration. Yeah, I put that arm back on it. You know that, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. The 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 hand, her hand that's draped over the edge of that pedestal. Yeah. Um, was broke off broke off years ago and so what you see is only a few years old but it's a it's a recreation of the original but it's interesting when you you know ride around out here and you see so many names i mean like you see rice and you know you see howard hughes and you you that's part of why it's so much fun to do the tours because you see these names you recognize from buildings and streets and neighborhoods but you don't know the stories behind them so this is a really great one-stop shop for Houston's history because so many of the people who made it happen are here. Well said. Not to mention it being a beautiful place. Well, that's a cook's tour. Well, thank you so much. One question I was curious about is what happens at the end of that 60 years? What happens when there aren't any lot sales and and the endowment exists to keep the place up? But um, I assume we'll still be doing tours out here. But is it, I mean, does it become, go back to essentially being a park? No, even when the lots are so loud, you'll still have burials that are that will occur from previous purchases. So that part of the business will continue on for a good while. But there should be enough money in the endowment, built up in the endowment, to fund the operational part, the expense part, uh, through the interest dividends off of the endowment. I mean, that's the whole goal. You know, I suspect that. 60 years from now, the endowment probably will be in excess of 100 million. Mm-hmm. So I have one more question for you. Do you have a lot here? I do. I have 12 spaces. 12? You have a big family. Uh, three boys, wife, mm-hmm. three grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I, just, I imagine I'll be the first one to go in it. <laughs> Isn't that right, Jim? <laughs> I, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be able to modify the tour route to go by there, but we can try. Well, I don't want to end up haunted or anything. 
I mean, I, <laughs> you think I've come back to haunt you? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the tour. Yeah, it was so nice you. to meet you. I'm thank glad you're able to finally you. do this. Thank yeah, you. me yeah. too. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much. Good I'll be in touch. Nice to see you again. All right, Bye. take care. Bye.